You are Locked On Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're listening to Locked On Irish, your daily Notre Dame athletics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's episode, we are going to provide a little bit more of an in-depth breakdown. Ryan and I will talk about the Ohio State loss. We'll actually dive a little bit deeper on some of the key topics and takeaways from the game. We're also going to discuss why everybody's losing their minds over the college football playoff situation. And then lastly, you'll be interested in hearing where the line is for the ACC championship game. Is Notre Dame the favorite? Is it Clemson? We're going to get to that later on in the show. Before we do, though, I am Joe DeLeon, joined by Ryan Roberts. I'm a former college football player at the Division I level. Ryan is the director of scouting at NFL Draft Bible. Before we we hit on this Ohio State game, we just want to wish former Notre Dame football player Lewis Nix the best, and we're, we're praying for a full recovery if you happen to miss it. Uh, he was apparently shot while he was filling up his tires um, don't know the entirety full details, but he posted a video while he was in an ambulance. He was very worried about his well-being. According to an update by him, though, he's going to be fine. He needs to get surgery. I don't know the fullest extent after that because something like this, I'm sure he's not really going to give out all the details. Um, he has been a very vocal person on social media before. I mean, to post a video right after is a little bit of proof of that, that he's probably going to provide some sort of an update. But in the meantime, uh, you know, wish, wishing him a full recovery and and you know if you feel inclined to do so too uh you should definitely maybe tag him on twitter or instagram and and let him know you're thinking about him yeah and we we always talk about the culture at notre dame and it it expands past you know just playing football at notre dame it's a family atmosphere and that's why i think everybody no matter when they played they just kind of hold it near and dear to their heart and a guy like lewis nix who was so instrumental to a lot of success why he was at notre dame uh, just thinking about the impact that he had, you know, for anyone to be in this type of situation is extremely sad. And, and obviously we are fully, you know, our, our thoughts and prayers are going out to him in his recovery during what, I, you know, we don't know the extent of why this happened, what was going on around him. But, you know, for what it seems like, it seems like it was there was a it was just an incidental thing that unfortunately he was in the wrong place, wrong time. So wishing Lewis next to speediest of recoveries, Irish chocolate. I hope he gets back very well soon. Uh, obviously, a, a great Irish ambassador, former player, and wishing him all the best here in his recovery. So, Ryan, let's get into discussing this Ohio State basketball game. As I discussed on the last show, the way that we're typically going to do this, uh, just so you guys have some sort of a recap after games are played during the week, I'm going to do just a quick 10 minutes, just breaking down what happened if you missed the game and you wanted to hear how things played out. I will be handling that after a lot of these games. And then the following show, Ryan and I will hit on some of the deeper thoughts, maybe some of the things that I already brought up. And the one thing I want to bring up with this Ohio State loss, 90-85 to was the loss that happened on Tuesday. If you missed that Wednesday recap, go back and listen to it. But the one of the big things that really irked me and is starting to weigh on me for what is going to impact the future of the season, Ryan, and it's something that we've talked about already, is the lack of players coming off the bench for this fighting Irish basketball team. Prentice Hub and Nate Lashevsky, 
uh, Dane Goodwin, the, all those guys are playing 40 minutes or close to 40 minutes, and that is frankly not sustainable. You have two guys that came off the bench this game. Matt Zona had to come in because Jawan Durham fouled out. Uh, Sanders came in for a brief period of time, and he looked like he was struggling, the freshman. I just don't get it why they are not at least, why Coach Bray is at least not trying to rotate in some additional players Get them some more experience now so towards the end of the season, you're not running your guys into the ground. I hate to say it, but guys are going to get hurt if you're going to keep doing this. I don't understand what the what the holdback is when, when you have at least a quality freshman group, some young players that it should be at least rotating in. Yeah, and I feel like now looking back at the conversation we had about Elijah Taylor and the impact of that injury, I feel like this really lays a lot with, with the issues right now because like you said, only two bench players. Zona's playing mostly because Dorm fouls out. Sanders plays 15 minutes, which, you know, isn't terrible off the bench. But when you're looking at it, you played seven guys. The majority of them are playing 37-plus minutes in Hub, Ryan, Leshevsky, and Goodwin. Like, they're all over 37 minutes in this game. And it really takes away from what was not a terrible performance. Because, I mean, to be very honest, when we were talking to Jay, I was kind of thinking, like, oh, I think Ohio State might handedly win this game. Notre Dame is leading at halftime. They took them down to the wire. This was a very competitive game against a good Big Ten team that was ranked number 22 in the country. Like, there was a lot of good things to be taken from this game. Prentice Hub played well. Goodwin played well. Leshevsky, Cormac Ryan was great in the first half. Didn't score in the second. Like, there was just so many good things that could be taken away. 51% from the field, 46 from three, 78 from free throws, even pretty solid. Like, there were so many good things. But I think that what you brought up, the depth right now is the biggest hindrance to Notre Dame potentially being a real player in the ACC because they have some talent. It just seems maybe Elijah Taylor was a big, bigger loss than we thought. It just seems like there just isn't enough depth on this team. If we're just talking about the starting five, I think they can compete. The depth, I think, though, is ultimately going to curtail them a little bit in their success this season. Right. Look, and it just comes down to – you're not going to be able to do this sustainably, as we've already said. We saw the impact this had, and I'm hoping Mike Bray says to himself, hey, we can't keep doing this. This is clearly killing us. We need our bench guys to step up. Look, even if it's just they're playing 10 minutes, if, if you rotate a separate group of players in there for 10 minutes, I think that that is better than watching the starters that are playing 40 minutes blow the lead because they're so tired. And look, it's it's an attribution to their to you know to their stamina and their ability to play that far into a basketball game. So I don't understand why you wouldn't at least give them a little bit of rest so that you know, 30 minutes is a lot for a guy to be playing. 35 minutes is a lot for a guy to be playing. If they're capable of doing that, just give them some rest because, again, no one is going to be physically capable of playing that much time and play well throughout the entirety of the game. The other thing I just want to hit on, Ryan, before we wrap this up, something that I had already talked about, I'm, I'm getting increasingly more frustrated with watching Juwan Durham. And for a guy that's supposed to be the biggest player on this team, he just didn't do it for me. I know that he finished with an okay night. He had uh, seven points. He had nine rebounds. But for me, watching him, and if you watched him throughout this game, he was getting pushed around very handedly by EJ Liddell, who they said was only 6'6". So if you're not playing with your size, 
I don't I don't get it. Like what what are we what are we missing here? Have him come off the bench. I think that this this lineup needs to go smaller. Maybe go with Matt Zona in the starting lineup for this next game because right now it sucks, but uh, Juwan Durham is just not getting it done as the full-time starter. And I know that he provides a really good defensive presence and he's a really good paint player, but he just he's not doing a good job when it comes to playing some of these smaller guys that are physically stronger than him. Yeah, it's it's just a really tough conversation because like we we've already been harping on the fact of like there just isn't depth on this team and now I don't disagree with the the idea to go maybe just to a small ball lineup and just try to outpace teams like I I don't 100% disagree with it. It's just so tough though cuz like he's your he's literally the only guy on your team that has that traditional low posts in the paint type of size. He's the only guy that has it. Your next tallest guy is who? Cormac Ryan, who's about six foot eight. Like there just isn't a ton of length on this team. So I understand why Juwan Dorham is playing there. And it's it just makes a lot of sense. But like if he's not producing, I would at least think about it, you know, and and at least choose your spots a little better. Because I think that just stay into what the traditional type of set is and having a guy that is ineffective in his role is worse than maybe being a little inventive and trying to try new things. Because, you know, at, at the end of the day, the, the depth is not going to be there. We saw them lose a close game because they don't have that depth. But also, if you don't have depth, trying to create some depth, maybe with a guy that isn't doing a great job in the current role he has and trying to just, you know, create some opportunity in other ways because like hey if 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 a team now is going to their second string guys in you know in the front court like oh maybe then that's where Juwan Dorham if you're picking your spots can take advantage of those make probably younger players with his you know veteran presence so I think that they should at least consider it maybe mix and match the lineup a little better if they can but man we need to try to create depth in any way we can right now Coming up, we are going to discuss the wild outlook for the college football playoff as we are getting increasingly closer to the um, college football playoff coming up. Before we get to that, though, folks, I want to talk to you about Coors Light, my favorite beer out there on the market. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all of the time. Sometimes you just need a, a moment to chill and turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It is made to chill. I know that after a long week, even though you know I get the the pleasure of working in sports, all the production work and all the back end work that I do, it, it can be it can get very frustrating towards the end of the week. And I know that the best way to do that is not even look at my computer, not even think about recording or editing a show, and instead sitting back, relaxing, having a few Coors Lights with my friends while watching whatever game is on. Coors Light wants you to know no matter what sport you're watching, Saturdays are your time to chill. And I know Saturdays are my time to chill. Even if your team isn't playing, there are still plenty of teams and sports on TV that can give you the excuse to chill and drink a beer. It doesn't matter what team or sport is on, Coors Light is the official beer of watching any sport or team just to drink beer. So flip through the channels, Find a sport and crack open a Coors Light. Coors Light is the one that I choose when I want to unwind, so when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. (laughs) 
later in the week on Friday, we will preview Notre Dame's next basketball matchup facing off against Kentucky. Right now, though, we're, we're shifting our focus back to football for the second half of the show because uh, things are getting increasingly more and more complicated. The college football playoff was recently released. Alabama 1, Notre Dame 2, Clemson 3, Ohio State 4. Ohio State's game against Michigan was canceled because of Michigan's issue with trying to curtail an outbreak on their roster. And their season's already bad, so I'm sure that they had no motivation to try and play that football game. Now, this brought up, oh, how's Ohio State going to get in if they're, if they're not playing in their, in their championship game? Well, Ryan, I don't know if you saw this, but literally as we were doing the first segment of the show, the Big Ten is actually expected to change their six-game rule. They're expected to change that rule where you have to play at least six games to make it to the Big Ten championship game. So now, if this if this is going to be approved by the board that's deciding this, they will play Northwestern on December 19th. So I find it incredibly ironic, Ryan, that all these years, you know, with the with the college football playoff, it was reasons why Notre Dame didn't belong in 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 the playoff. But a six-win team with only six games played has everything just perfectly handed and laid out to them for them to perfectly line up and make it into this playoff is probably the four or the three seed. So, Joe, you're, you mean to tell me that um, that the Big Ten is getting bullied again into changing how they're doing things? Yep. Wow. Who, who would have thought? Who would have thought after seeing what happened with the um, initial shutdown, all the players and coaches are getting very, were very outspoken. They brought the Big Ten back resurfaced, which was great. I loved it because, hey, I want to see these teams play. College football is better when Ohio State is good and when these when these teams are good. I want to see them play. I don't want – if Notre Dame makes it to a national championship game, makes it to the playoffs, wins a national championship, whatever the end result is, I don't want there to be an asterisk next to it just because Ohio State isn't playing. I want to see those guys playing. I knew this was going to happen because – at some point with the season the way it is, where there are teams playing different amount of games and you know everything is not consistent across the board, it's going to be very subjective in this, in this playoff ranking to saying the eye test is maybe more important this year than it ever has been. When you watch Ohio State, although you know they struggled in the second half against Indiana, I think it's pretty easy to see that they are one of the top four teams in the country. So they were going to make this happen. And honestly, at the end of the day, they want to see Ohio State, Alabama, Notre Dame, and Clemson in this playoffs because at they it's a business, man. They want to make some money. The viewership is going to be great when those four are at the top of the game. Those four are representing the college football playoff. They, 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 they understand the advisory board, uh, not the advisory board, the, the playoff committee Understand that those four teams are going to sell tickets, they're going to sell viewership, and that is ultimately what the fans and what the uh, college football supporters want to see. I honestly hope that Northwestern is so pissed off by this that they come and and just shock the hell out of them. Like, could you imagine could you that imagine? After, after all of that, if they ended up <laughs> if, if I, Ohio State I doesn't even make it? <laughs> I, I could not imagine because what do you do at that point? Man? Right. Like, I guess you're, I guess you're putting in two SEC teams at that point, but then like the Cincinnati supporters of the world are going to be extremely pissed off. You know, if what, 
What if But Cincinnati we know Austin, is not going to be competitive. They're going to get smoked by whoever they play. I agree. I'm not saying Cincinnati should be in the game. What I'm saying is, can you imagine the chaos that would ensue if Northwestern beat Ohio State and then let's say Alabama lost to Florida in the in their SEC championship game? Like, Everyone oh would lose my their God. minds. It, it would be right. no one would be happy with whatever they whatever product they put together because there's no way to properly please you know every everybody because there, there would be no way to fit properly fix that and align that. But just kind of shifting the focus to wrap this up, back to Notre Dame, I, I would like to just talk about really quickly, it seems like the odds are very much in Notre Dame's favor to regardless what happens against Clemson on December 19th, unless they get blown out by 70 points. I can I realistically think that maybe that's a, that's a little bit of hyperbole, folks. Don't Don't quote me on that. I, I feel like Notre Dame is in the best position out of the group, more so than Clemson, to still make the playoff if something happened, they lose a close game. I think that they are easily in the best spot to maybe slide from two to four. And that and I know it's it it sounds like this is a defeatist attitude, but I would like to just provide all the context because winning an ACC championship would be fantastic to do your first time ever playing in there but the ultimate goal is the national championship you, you want to win that national championship and we want to know what happens and what would force them to not be in it I think right now odds are in their favor if they lose yeah no I, I would agree I, I mean I would say like just looking at the top four in general Alabama loses to Florida Alabama's probably still in if Notre Dame loses a close one to Clemson I agree completely they're going to be in Clemson loses they're done. Two lost Clemson, out of there. Notre Dame loses by a landslide. Uh, it gets a little dicey, but I think they'll still probably keep them in just off of body of work. Ohio State is, you know, with with the with the the look at how short the schedule has been. If they have a lackluster performance against Northwestern, and some chaos ensues. Like I think that's the real big talking point for me. Alabama is the clearest one, though. If they lose in the in the SC championship game, I think they still find a place in the playoff. Notre Dame is probably the next safest team, just with already have beaten Clemson and being an undefeated team going into the ACC championship game and playing dominant down the stretch. Like, I think that they probably have a very good opportunity here. I am looking forward to it, though, because because we didn't even talk about this, Joe, and I think we highlighted when the first playoff ranking came out. The top four teams of the initial playoff ranking have never been the final four to make the playoffs. So right. there, ha- there hasn't been a change yet. So, like, it, it, I mean, the odds tell you there might be some chaos that's going to be upon us because the history has shown that the, f- the first four are not usually the last four to be in there. So, yeah, and just a closing thought, if you look at some of the other teams hovering around on the outside, I just really don't see anybody based on resume and and just the the I I passing the eye test. I don't think any of those teams really do a whole lot for me. I don't think like, you know, Texas A&M, how can you make the argument for them to be pushed in there over a one-loss Notre Dame team? So I think that Oh, they they have no chance. They have no, no chance. The only the only team that could throw a wrench is if Florida beats Alabama, right. they're going to jump Texas A&M. Texas A&M is going to be stuck at 5. There's no way they're going to be able to move yeah, up. Yeah, and then the argument is then going to be if that does happen, if Florida beats Alabama, the argument would then become do you go with a one-loss Notre Dame team or do you go with a one-loss Alabama team? And that that's what's going to be where I think the mess 
is going to ensue. In a few minutes, we are going to talk about a crazy betting line for the Clemson-Notre Dame ACC championship game. We're going to get to that in just a few minutes. The wait is almost over. The 2020-2021 NBA season is almost here, and the Locked On NBA podcast will get you ready with a special week of shows beginning December 14th. Get previews of every team, division by division, from all 30 of your Locked On local experts, including um, waiver wire additions from Locked On Fantasy Basketball, rookies to watch from Chad Ford, and predictions on each division from rejecting the screen. Subscribe to Locked On NBA wherever you get your podcasts. Ryan, this is honestly disrespectful at this point. Notre Dame beats Clemson. They beat him at home. Weren't favored. Five point. Uh, Clemson was a five-point favorite. They get Trevor Lawrence back. This is a neutral site game. Notre Dame already beat them the first time, and and did you know looked looked very strong in this performance. Coming into the ACC championship game. Clemson, seven and a half point favorites. Uh, Pete Sampson tweeted it out on Tuesday. Clemson listed as an early seven and a half point favorite over Notre Dame in the ACC championship game. Irish were five point underdogs in the first meeting in South Bend. So not only were they disrespected for a home game, they're now being disrespected for a neutral site game against the team that they already beat. Like I don't think DJ Uyunglele nets them that many points. Or not DJ, Trevor Lawrence starting over DJ Uyunglele. I don't think that nets Clemson that many points, does it? Uh, I mean, Joe, when I saw the spread, I was just like working off of the first one where they were favored by five. I was like, you know, I don't, I mean, I don't really care though. Like I didn't care that they were five point, you know, underdogs the first go around. I don't care that Notre Dame again is seven and a half point underdogs. It's a neutral site game. It's a brand new formula. It's a grand, brand new atmosphere. I don't care that much about it. Did I, was I surprised? I actually don't think so. I mean, I mean, Trevor Lawrence playing obviously gives you a little bit of a buffer, right? Like they're gonna, it's gonna increase a little bit. The fact that it's a neutral site game, I probably would have, I probably would have liked it maybe to be around that five and five and a half again, just be, just based upon, hey, it's a neutral site game now. They don't have the advantage of being at home against Notre Dame. But I really, I mean, I honestly don't care. I don't, I don't care because at the end of the day, Notre Dame is going to go into that game with a chip on their shoulder because, hey, the first game, no one gave you a chance, even with DJ Uyunglele playing instead of Trevor Lawrence. This game, people are going to give you less of a chance because no matter what Notre Dame does, even if Notre Dame wins this game, Notre Dame is going to be considered frauds from a majority of the media majority of fans right. like it's just it's just a thing until Notre Dame wins the big one again <laughs> I don't even they know are if, the team. I don't even know if that's enough <laughs> right uh, yeah because because if they win then it's gonna be like oh yeah they had to wait till a COVID year yeah to, to fake win season when everybody was sick right, right. like so we're always going to get the disrespect and I, you're, I think you're a little bit more even keel than I am I'm just irked by it because it happens all the time hopefully we can shut up Clemson we can shut up the the line makers for this game that is something that we're obviously juiced up for. Next week, we're going to do a little bit of quality content to prepare you for all of that. Also on Friday, Notre Dame faces a uh, struggling Kentucky basketball team, so we're going to preview that game on Friday's show. Folks, that is it for this episode. Please follow us on social media 
at Joe DeLeon, at Rise and Draft, and at Locked on Irish. If you enjoyed this show thus far, please hit that subscribe button just to stay up to date on every single show. And if you're looking for something else to tune into, I already talked about that Locked on NBA show. Tune into that as there is fantastic content coming your way for the start of the NBA season. We'll talk to you Friday, folks. Enjoy the rest of your day. 